Good morning, this is Jake, and this is episode five of Learning to Be a Lead. Today, I wanted to talk about the superpowers that you get from having a team of developers as opposed to being the one-man show. So, um, one of the things that I've been learning or reading about or listening to vlog casts about uh, MPJ, if you've heard of him, he has this um, YouTube channel called Fun Fun Function, and he was talking about the other day the value of teaching and learning and then I read a great article on uh, developer driven development I think is what it was called on dot dev um, and they both talked about this idea of teaching and learning and how you essentially can uh, supercharge your learning process by leveraging your team so uh, we've implemented um, at my job teaching Tuesdays. So what we have is each Tuesday, a different developer presents a different thing that they're learning or something that they're passionate about. So for instance, this morning, I will be learning about monads. Now, this is not anything that I have had interest in in the past. I'm not even sure really what it is, but I'm going to be learning about it this morning because one of my other developers uh, loves this sort of stuff. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we learned uh, about Flexbox, and the amazing thing is, even if I know Flexbox, the person who had to learn to teach it learned it really well in order to be able to tell us about it. Um, and then, of course, you pick up a couple other tips along the way. One of them, for instance, being, uh, I think, a line items baseline, I think was one thing that I learned from uh, his little micro mini talk, lightning talk session on our Teaching Tuesdays. So um, it's something fun that we're doing. It's been really helpful. And uh, that's what I'm doing right now. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. So I have decided that I'm going to be using Anchor to kind of house all my thoughts that don't have another place to belong. So host two podcasts, Laravel News Podcast and the North Meets South Podcast, and those are both pretty technical in nature. So I figured maybe I'd use this to house some of the thoughts that I have that are more like soft skills sort of things. So with that in mind, um, something I read yesterday by Gary Vaynerchuk was uh, document your learning, don't create advice. And so that's what I'm going to try and do. So my learning right now is kind of centered around transitioning from being a developer, a sole developer on a team, to being a lead developer on a team. So I've got two junior developers underneath me, and uh, it's definitely a challenge because I sort of derive my value or determine my value to the company by the amount of code I produce, or not maybe not necessarily the amount of code I produce, but the problems that I myself am able to solve. And so it's been a transition for me uh, from being the person who solves the problems and writes all the code to figuring out what the problems are that need to be solved and then delegating those tasks to my team and kind of providing oversight and direction. So uh, it's been an interesting challenge, but one thing that happened kind of just in the nick of time that was a huge um, help to me was we had the requirement to do a software development lifecycle document, uh, which is basically a big scary name for this is how we develop software in our company. And I had to take the time to outline steps A through Z from how we start a feature to how we deploy. Uh, or how we do a bug fix, or uh, what we use for continuous integration, what are the different services that we use to make sure that our code is good, do we do testing, do we do all sorts of, uh, all those sorts of things. And so I had to do that before we ever had any junior developers on the team, and I must say, uh, it is extremely valuable to have that, if for nothing else, just to be able to point them to it and say that's what we do. 
uh, and they can read through it and kind of get a good idea of how it is that you do software development at your agency or at your place of business. And uh, so, yeah, that, that was a huge thing for me. I would suggest taking the time to sit down and write that out if you have not done so in the past. Even if you are just a, a solo person, it helps you to kind of fill in the gaps of, of knowledge that you haven't thought about, uh, the things that are... Um, you just haven't flushed out as much as, as maybe you think you have. Uh, they're, they're there in your head, but you just got to put them on paper. So there you go. Hopefully that helps. Thanks. Good afternoon. So the problem today that I want to talk about is getting started with projects with junior developers. So as a lead developer, it has been interesting to try and figure out how I can give ownership of a project to a junior developer. Uh, without letting it get too far out of my hands. So what I don't want to do is I don't want to have them do a pull request and have to have, approve everything for the entire beginning of a project because a lot of it's just kind of boilerplate. And if I have to do that, then I might as well write the code. Um, but how do I do that? How do I give them some leash without having to come behind them and clean up everything? Like do a bunch of refactoring. So I haven't figured this out yet. So I have two different projects that I have where I've kind of made this mistake. I've given the junior developer some leash. They've gone off and developed for like a week. And then I come behind and realize that there are some problems with the code. Uh, some things that would be difficult to kind of go back and change uh, without changing a portion of the structure of the application. So uh, it very quickly kind of gets into problem territory. So. I haven't figured out a great way to do this yet. Uh, if you have some suggestions, I would love to hear them. Um, but there we go. That's what I'm working on right now. Thanks everyone. Hello and good morning. Today I wanted to talk about titles. So you may have heard me refer to my coworkers, my teammates as junior developers. And yesterday I realized that this can be sort of an offensive title. Now, I'm not one to be super, super sensitive to little offenses like that. It doesn't seem like it should be too offensive to me to call somebody a junior developer, but it does sort of with it um, hold certain expectations. So as long as somebody is a junior developer, they are maybe still in a very, very learning phase of their career. And as soon as somebody gets promoted to, say, developer, uh, you can expect a little bit more of them, I suppose, and maybe it it feels to the person like they're not so new anymore. So one of the two guys who's on my team has, he's a junior to our company, meaning he doesn't have a lot of corporate knowledge of our domain, but he has experience. And so uh, he just finished one of our first large projects that we've given him. So he's going to be promoted to the title of developer, which I think is a small change, but it makes a big difference just for his morale. Another thing that I've heard before, um, Jeffrey Zeldman uh, said this one time at a talk. He said, first impressions are forever. And unfortunately, in a lot of companies, you have to leave in order for them to realize what it is that they had. If you hire in as a junior, uh, you're the junior forever there. So I'm trying to not make the mistake of, of doing that, of having him hold forever the title of junior, but instead being really... Uh, self-reflective and looking at what it is that he's accomplished and evaluating what his title should be. So we are officially upgrading him to the title of developer. Uh, we have just recently given him a little pay bump. So um, 
people over profit is another one of the little catchphrases that they like to say at our at our company and it has served us well uh, it is a lot cheaper to maintain the employees that you have than it is to go searching around for new ones so um, anyway that's what I'm working on thanks good morning this is Jake and this is me giving some of my learnings on learning to be a lead developer so I wanted to talk this morning a little bit about code sniffing PSR2 detector things what do they call them mess detectors and um, so it's a double-edged sword here this is really a helpful thing uh, when you have to do code reviews all the time because you don't have to check for PSR2 compliance all the time these things will do it for you so before you as the person who's doing code reviews has to get into the code you get to have this mess detector automatically go through and either there's kind of two options that either will just tell you or inform you or these are the things that need to change and then um, you know the person who was submitting the pull request has to change them or in the case of our situation we use style CI and it offers to give you a pull request that will automatically fix all the different things that uh, are out of compliance essentially you can also go in and set up specific rules that you that you want to specify so you can say there needs to be a space at the end of a class or there needs to be this many lines between the beginning of a method and the first uh, line of that method so there's some options there that you can configure um, so it's nice in that case you don't have to go in and do all the pull reviews or pull requests looking for just these little PSR2 violations however the bad part of it is that it messes with a lot of code so like if I have a, a person who is actually a junior developer submitting some code and they are not familiar with PSR2 or something like that or they're still working on catching on to it it can be kind of difficult to suss out what was the code that they actually changed versus what was the code that just needed to be corrected uh, as far as like different lines uh, that needed to be you know indented or whatever um, so that can be a problem sometimes, so it makes the code a little bit messy. Uh, I'd say overall it's a win, even if only slightly. Sometimes what I'll have my, my um, pull requesters do is I will wait to have them do that mess detector step until right before we merge the pull request in. So we'll, I'll have them make their code changes, uh, whatever, and then a lot of times we'll get like a warning from StyleCI saying, hey, this is not compliant code and we just say okay we'll, we're aware of that we will wait to actually run the uh, pull request that'll make those changes for that those code violations until right before we merge it in um, so that I can actually see the different pieces that they're changing and comment on those uh, and then you know deal with the style stuff at, at the very last point possible so that's kind of what we're doing I'd be interested to hear if anyone else has suggestions on how they're handling that uh, that's what I'm working on thanks everyone